The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where does this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In our first reading today, Paul heard these words from God. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul realized, whenever I am weak, then I am strong. I know, it doesn't seem to make sense. Strength and weakness, Paul, really? Aren't strengths and weaknesses opposites? How can they go together? Aren't we trying to avoid weakness? Isn't it a bad thing? Strength seems so much better. Strength is what we want. In fact, we try very hard to overcome our weaknesses, don't we? To hide from them sometimes or avoid them. They frighten us. They make us feel vulnerable. If we admit our weaknesses, won't people take advantage of us or think less of us? Well, to avoid all that, we do all kinds of things to protect ourselves from the vulnerabilities that we feel. We may try to control the world around us with irritatingly limited success. We may hide our true feelings and thoughts. Rebecca DeYoung wrote, In America, we value independence, being able to take care of ourselves. As a result, we treat weakness, vulnerability, and suffering as evils to be avoided, prevented, overcome. From a human point of view, when I am weak, then I am strong seems backwards. 
However, when we spend our energy on hiding our true selves and protecting our hearts and creating a facade of control, in short, denying any weakness, we close ourselves off from life and authentic relationships. C.S. Lewis wrote this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements and it will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. We hide our true selves, including our weaknesses, from one another and from God at a high cost. And it turns out, spiritual greats throughout the ages have agreed with Paul. Their own walk of faith taught them that their deepest spiritual insights came through their suffering and pain and vulnerability. Their closeness to God, their happiness and peace, and ultimately their strength came through an honest experience of their own weakness. One faithful one wrote this, My brothers and sisters, glory in your infirmities. Thank God for your weaknesses. There is room for God when you are empty. But when you are so full and so strong and could do the work so well, why then you will attempt to do without your God, and a failure will be the result. But, oh, beloved, when I am weak, then I am strong. And Augustine, in the fourth century, wrote that human beings are given a kapox day, a capacity for God, which is expanded in times of suffering. So, what led Paul to this place? What is going on in our reading from 2 Corinthians? Paul was under attack in Corinth by some false teachers who were fracturing the church. He ironically called them super apostles. They claimed they were better than he was at pretty much everything, speaking, having visions, being more powerful. Well, this spiritual one-upmanship is highly unattractive, but there you have it, and Paul was in the middle of it, fighting for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the health of the church. Our reading today is part of Paul's throwdown with the super-apostles, but if we're expecting Paul to fight fire with fire, we will be surprised, because he has learned a very different path, the path of his suffering Savior. In the previous chapter, he told about the hardships he had endured in the service of Christ, and now he talks about not his achievements, but his weakness. Well, he does jab the super-apostles a little bit first with the story of an amazing mystical or spiritual experience of God that he had been given years earlier. It was so extraordinary that he had no words for it, and he was not permitted to talk about it anyway. Suffice it to say that this experience was so awesome that it could have given him a big head kind of a danger anyway with Paul. So he was given what he calls a thorn in his flesh, literally 
a stake in his side to keep him from being too elated. He asked three times for it to be removed, like Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane for his cup of suffering, the cross, to be taken from him. Paul prayed that his thorn would be removed. No one really knows what it was, but it put him in a state of weakness. Now, let's remember, Paul also had tremendous strengths, and he did not choose this weakness, this thorn, to be part of his life. But it was, and he did not want it. He prayed that it would be removed. God's answer was, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Or as another translator says, My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. One scholar said that when we hear those words, power in weakness, what we're hearing is a kind of shorthand for the cross of Christ. In God's plan for saving the world, there had to be weakness, the crucifixion, before there was the power of the resurrection. Thinking of weakness and power in terms of Christ's cross and resurrection helped Paul embrace the thorn in his flesh. He came to understand that it caused him an ongoing weakness, which allowed him to experience Christ's ongoing power. And that was worth everything to him. So Paul boasts not about his power, but about his weakness. Do you see this at work in your life? Do you see the link between your times of weakness and your faith? Pima Chodron, in her book, When Things Fall Apart, wrote this, The most precious opportunity presents itself when we come to the place where we think we can't handle whatever is happening. The opportunity is precious, not terrible, because when we are at the end of our own strength, we can finally turn to God and pray, Help. When there is nothing left that we can do on our own power, then we are open to God's power and strength. And God is always there, always waiting for us to open and turn and pray. On the other hand, the more we try to protect ourselves, control everything, pretend strength, deny our need, deny our weakness, the more we cut ourselves off from God working within us, and then our faith takes a back seat. My grace is sufficient for you, God says to us today. My power is made perfect in your weakness. As this is a truth in our relationship with God, it is also a truth in our relationship with other people. Has anyone read the Inspector Gamache novels by Louise Penny? Let me see your hands. A few of you have. If you haven't, something to look forward to if you are a reader. They're favorites of mine. In the first book of the series, Gamache, who is head of homicide for the police force of Quebec, is trying to train a rather unlikable and very stubborn young recruit. He says, 
There are four things that lead to wisdom. Are you ready for them? She nodded, wondering when the real police work was going to begin. They are four sentences we learn to say and mean, Gamash said. I don't know. I need help. I'm sorry. And I was wrong. One, I don't know. We may know a lot about a lot of things, but no one knows everything. Admitting a truthful, I don't know, is often the very best course of action. Two, I need help. Maybe it isn't easy for us to say, I'm not okay, I'm depressed, I'm confused about my way forward, I'm overwhelmed by this project. But needing help is simply human. Three, I'm sorry. When we are wrong, and we will be, we need to say we're sorry. This is so basic and so underrated. And four, I was wrong. Being right in every circumstance is impossible. Trying to be right all the time will drive us crazy. Now, on the one hand, it's a declaration of our weaknesses to say, I don't know, I need help, I'm sorry, I was wrong. On the other hand, as Inspector Gamache said, it leads to wisdom, and it's the truth. When we say and mean those things, it clears the air, it mends relationships, it opens a way forward. I am most fortunate of all people to serve on your church staff, where we can say those things to one another and mean them, and be loved and accepted and assisted. And I hope you have many, many places in your life that are the same. And can you see that God can also work through these things? Before God, perhaps we would like to be very knowledgeable and strong and blameless and right, but we are rarely all those things. We're human, and it's okay. When we take our true selves before God, in all of our imperfection and weakness, in all of our need for forgiveness and help, ah, God can work with that, because God's grace is sufficient for us, and God's power is made perfect in our very weakness. Would you like to turn to the last page of your worship folders, please? I believe that Fleet Admiral Chester Nimitz summed this up for us quite well. Let's read it together. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak, that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health, that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity, that I might do better things. I asked for riches, that I might be happy. I was given poverty, that I might be wise. I asked for power, that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness, that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life itself that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything that I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. 
I am, among all men, most richly blessed. In the name of Jesus, amen.